Don, tell me again how many bees you have set up just right here. We have about 200,000 bees here, and in okay. the hive that we're going to open up, probably 35 to 40,000 bees. Okay. So 30 to 35,000 bees just in this colony here. Um, what kind of product can just this colony yield? Well, the, the sweet result of their work is the honey, obviously, <laughs> and that's the part we like. Okay. And they've done some studies. This is a standard hive with this number of bees for this time of the year. But they've done some studies that say if you double the number of bees, uh, you will greatly increase the output of honey, which we like. So if we would take a smaller hive, 20,000 bees, and add another 20,000 bees to it, uh, there would, instead of doubling the output, it would be much greater than that, even triple the amount of production wow. that comes with the, the additional workers. It boils down to how many workers do you have and how much result can you get. So many so hands Many make hands light make light work. Many okay. bees make lots of honey. Hey, I like that. And uh, the number of beekeepers who have colonies this tall with lots of workers for lots and lots of honey. Sounds like a pretty sweet deal if you ask me. <laughs> <It's great. laughs>
when the mother and father of Joseph and Mary was anxious about him. There he was, at the age of 12, passionate, zealous, engaging intellectually, engaging historically, engaging spiritually about the kingdom of God. But you see, we can only do that when our minds are in tune with God. We can only do this. And the Bible constantly challenges us. Let this mind that was in Christ be also in you. And I want to challenge you this morning. One of the challenges that we have as Christians today, that there are many Christians all over the United States, all over the world, who are going to church without any purpose. No sense of conviction. No sense of purpose. And yet God is challenging us to understand with our minds, to see with our eyes, and to move with our hearts so that his kingdom may come. Having the mind of Christ changes the way we engage with one another in the church. We are brothers and sisters. We are one in Christ. We have the same Lord. We've been redeemed by the same blood. And together, God has called us not only to worship, not only to serve, but to live for his kingdom. Having the mind of Christ helps us to see from God's perspective. It's important that we understand that God has a perspective. And if we cannot see God's perspective, we've missed it. This is a quote from Helen Keeler. She says this, the only thing worse than being blind is having sight but no vision. Let me say it again. The only thing worse than being blind is having sight but no vision. Unless we're able to see what Jesus is seeing, it's bad news for us. Yes, we could see. We're physically able to see so we could drive here. We could walk in the foyer. We could come into this building. We could see our seats. We could take it. But spiritually, what is it we're seeing? Having the mind of Christ enables us to see God's purpose. Remember Jesus. I need to go through Samaria. You remember that? His disciples probably thinking, hey, come on, Jesus. Why Samaria? But I need to go through there because God has a plan. For me, for his kingdom, for a woman, he has a plan. I need to do this. Jesus was so focused in his mind to please the Father. I do not speak nothing that the Father doesn't tell me to speak. I do not go anywhere the Father doesn't tell me to go. 
He was cued in. His mind was focused. His mind was made up. His mind was determined that he had to please the father. And here the father's response. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. The question that we must all ask ourselves is this. Is the father pleased with us? Each one of those bees understood its purpose, their role, their intention is to produce honey. Their intention is to make sure that honey is produced, the queen bee is produced. Their intention is to do that work and they're busy doing it. Let me just tell you this. God, our God, our Lord Jesus is not looking for busyness, activities. He's a God who wants receptivity. Not activity, receptivity. We could be busy doing this and this and this and totally miss him. The point that actually we're not doing what God wants us to do. We're not fulfilling it. And so it's important for us to recognize that we need to tune in to God. One of the most frustrating thing is when your program on the radio, your favorite program is coming on and you cannot find the station. Isn't it frustrating? The program has started and you're, you're keen to get that story. You're keen. I remember once I was driving and my favorite, you know, Saturday afternoon story was coming on and, you know, and I listened to the last episode and I was queuing, I was trying to drive. Man, it really got me going. It got me going so much that I was feeling, I didn't want to be a Christian for a moment. I was so angry with the radio. It's frustrating. And isn't it amazing that we don't get this frustration in terms of God? When was the last time we said, God, I haven't heard from you. I haven't had a sense of conviction about you. I don't feel a sense of clarity. I'm not thinking through your will and your purpose. God, help me. Having the mind of Christ help us to understand the will of God for our lives. The will of God for our lives. We pray for people here. Now, it's easy for us to reach out and pray for people who are kneeling, who are going. It's easy. But it's interesting that we could pray for people who are going, but we're not hearing God telling us, you need to go. We're saying, God, don't go there, God. You know, I'm willing to give my money. I'm willing to pray, but I'm not willing to go. These guys who are going, their mind had to be made up because they're going to feel lonely at times. They're going to miss their family at times. They're going to make sacrifice when they're going and when they're gone. Because their mind were made up. Hey, God's called me. And I'm following him. Paul the Apostle says this, I press. 
I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I'm determined. I'm focused. I'm willing. I am passionate to pursue God, to pursue his will. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. It's interesting because I love the fact that God always works with people. And you know, we see people and we see people all over the world, whether it's Bill Gates or whether it's some great entrepreneur, but we see people. But let me tell you this, God has a way of raising people up and helping people. I'm not so fascinated or intrigued about the money people make, I, but I'm fascinated about the conviction that they had. What made them think that they're able to do something? I was listening to a guy speaking the other day on BBC Radio 4, and he said this as a kid living in the far part of Russia, I had nothing to do, and so what I did, I just built programs. That's what I did. And I thought, I need to build programs that will make our world change. And he started one of the biggest AI company in London. Something got into him, something motivated him. Listen to what Steve Jobs says. If you're working on something excited that you really care about, you don't have to be pushed. The vision pulls you. When you're passionate about God, when you're passionate about his will, nobody has to cajole you. It pulls you. That's what Paul was talking about. It pulls you. And the challenge for us today is to rediscover the mind and the purpose of Jesus for our lives, individually and corporately. You see, we can easily come to the notion that this church is doing some fantastic things, and it is. It is doing some good things. It's doing some great things. But the reality of the kingdom, there's far more that it can achieve. If you and I, if you and you and you and you would recognize there's something significant and unique that I need to understand about my calling in God. God's calling us. God's calling you to do something powerful in the kingdom. I work with some people and we go in the streets from 10 o'clock at night until 4 a.m. in the morning. In our inner cities, in our rural towns, in our coastal areas, 
There are people who are 60 years of age, 65, 70, 75, 80, 90 years of age who are walking the streets from 10 p.m. at night until 4 in the morning. Now, you think, you know, 75, they're supposed to be in their bed by 8. Come on. 90, they're supposed to be in bed by 5. Come on. You, you think about that. I meet Christians all the time. As I travel, I meet Christians and, you know, they're in church. And I say to people, listen, I meet some Christians and their life is full of nothing but boredom and monotonous. Their, their lives are predictable. Their lives are boring. There's nothing happening. And I'm thinking, thank God I've got Jesus already. And yet... I say to them, get a life. Get a life and discover the will and the purpose of God for your life. Discover what it means to be excited and to go on an adventure with God. You can only do that when you understand the God who calls you. When you understand the God who loves you. When you understand the God who is willing to walk beside you and willing to walk before you and willing to take you on an adventure and a God that's willing to empower you with his truth. We could only do that. Having the mind of Christ helps us to understand significance and purpose. Significant. The Anglican vicar said to this woman, she's 90 years of age, um, she says to her, and, 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 and um, when will you stop going on the streets? She says, when God tells me to stop. He told me to do it. And I'm going to be faithful until he tells me to stop. Or my body cannot take me. Come on. That's the mind of Christ. I tell people, listen, I don't want to die as an old person in my home miserable. I want to leave this planet with a big bang. Because I want to be passionate about God. I want to be like Paul. I'm pressing, I'm pressing, I'm pressing towards the prize of a high calling. Come on. Here Paul says, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. And I love this. Who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a, a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of man, and being formed in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. You see, having the mind of Christ means that we are willing to sacrifice. We are willing to make sacrifices. Having the mind of Christ says we are willing to serve. Having the mind of Christ means that we are willing to submit our talents, our ability, our intellects, our resources, we are willing to submit them to Jesus. Having the mind of Christ means that we are willing to suffer. But it also means that we are willing to humble ourselves before God. 
Isn't it incredible? Jesus humbled himself. And here's the results. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, and I love this, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Of those in heaven, of those on earth, and of those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We should clap for that. Come on. Come on. You see, Jesus understood the fact that because of his humility, because of his determination in his mind to serve the Father, to suffer on the cross. That's why in Gethsemane there was a, a tension in the mind. Father, not my will. Not my will, but thy will be done. Father, I'm willing. All in the mind. 2.7 billion people today are professing some form of Christianity and are lifting the name of Jesus up globally. It's incredible. They're lifting up the name of Jesus. They're calling upon Jesus who humbled himself, who made himself of no reputation. But you see, we've got to also understood or understand that if we're going to humble ourselves, it means that we've got to pray. We've got to pray. One of the biggest challenges for the church in the 21st century is that many Christians are not praying. We're not faithful, we're not consistent in praying. One of the least attended meetings in the church calendar is the prayer meeting. It's the prayer meeting. Everyone is busy. Everyone has a legitimate reason why they cannot come to the prayer meeting. But if we're going to rediscover, if you and I are going to rediscover God and understand his mind, we've got to go to the place that we could seek him. And that's on our knees. That's humility. That's what prayer does. Prayer brings us to a place that we recognize our insufficiencies. And we recognize the grace, the unmerited favor of God. We recognize the love of God. We recognize that we are who we are because of him. And we go before him and we say, Jesus, help us. And we pray. God wants receptivity. I've been meeting with a guy called Neil. Neil is a Scottish guy and Neil is 80. And Neil and I have been meeting to pray every Tuesday morning for the past 25 years. Neil and I have been meeting to pray. And the only time we don't meet is when I'm away or he's away. We don't meet, but we've been meeting, praying. Praying for our government, praying for church leaders, praying for communities. We've been praying that the kingdom of God will come for 25 years. When I first became a Christian, this guy said to me, Would you, do you want to see people come to Jesus? Do you want to understand the purpose of God for your life? I said, of course I want to understand the, the purpose of God for my life. Of course I want to live for Jesus. Of course I want to see people come to the kingdom. 
He said, let's go and pray and fast. Whoa. Now, I love my food. So when you talk about prayer, that's one thing, but when you talk about fasting, man, you're taking it to another level. That's something Jesus did, you know? <laughs> but the reality is, we've got to re- rediscover what it means to go and pray and fast. At the age of 18, I was stopped eating on Thursday night, and we will meet on every Friday for three years, for the first three years of my conversion. Every weekend, except if there's a wedding. And we'll pray all night. Because my idea was, I used to go to places, clubs and bars and all kinds of things and mess myself up and get in a mess. And I used to do that for the devil and for the flesh. So why can't I do something for Jesus and for the kingdom? Why? And we began to pray and fast, and it, it helped me. It drew me close to God. It got rid of all the junk in my mind and junk in my life and all the hang-ups. And, and the more I got close to God is the more I became affirmed and the more God gave me grace and the more I understood God and the more God, I understood what God wanted me to do, the more I understand the, the promises and the pleasures of God of serving Jesus. So my rhythm... Every Tuesday, from five to six, myself and a bishop, we meet for prayer on the phone. We pray. 6.30 to 7.30 or so, I meet with Neil. On a Wednesday, about 10 of us meet from different denominations, Baptists, Anglicans, Pentecostals, Charismatic. We meet to pray every Wednesday. On a Thursday, I meet at an Anglican church, and myself and the vicar and about five others, and we meet for prayer every Thursday. Why am I going to these meetings? Because I need God. I need to hear him. I need to understand his will. I need to understand what he's calling me to do. I need to do that. But also, I need to understand that God is not only working through Les Isaac. God is not only working through Central. Central is not the center of God's kingdom. He has a body. God is not interested in denominations and traditions. God is interested in his church. I will build my church, Jesus says, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He didn't say he was going to build build central. He's going to build his ecclesia. The called out ones. The people who have called out and have experienced his grace, experienced forgiveness, experienced his love, experienced salvation, accept and embrace the cross. He's going to call them Call them out. And you and I are the called out ones. We've been called out of darkness into light. We've called out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God. And we're called to serve him and to understand his will and purpose. We've been called. But you know, we've been called to love Jesus. You know, when you love someone, you want to spend time with them. Don't you? When you love someone. I've been married this year 37 years, and I love my wife, Louise. And, man, you know, I love her. You know, sometimes before Facebook and Instagram, I used to have to phone and I say, honey, why? I spend a lot of money phoning you when I'm away, you know? But I just want to talk to her. I ring her up and I say, hey, man, this is your boyfriend talking. 
remember once I said to my children, hey man, I'm gonna go and buy my girlfriend some things. And my daughter said, dad. And my son said, that's, his, that's mommy he's talking about. You see, when you love somebody, you wanna to talk to them. You wanna spend time with them. You wanna hear from them. You want to embrace them. You want to understand their minds. You want to understand what they like and what they don't like. You want to please them. And Paul was writing from jail and said, hey, listen, guys, it's about in your mind. You get it right in your mind and you're going to please God. You're going to encourage the church. You're going to bless people. You're going to recognize that God is not just working through you, but he's got a group and a body of people. Remember this. It's one church. There's one hope, there's one calling, there's one faith, there's one baptism, there's one Jesus Christ. Only one. And we've got to hold that and we've got to understand that. We've got to understand that. And we've got to understand that he loves us. I love the scripture that says, behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil that runs down the head, the running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of the garment. It is like the Jew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commands the blessing, life forevermore. You see, in the 21st century, as we hear the mind of God, we begin to understand that God is doing something. 17 years ago, I began to pray and ask God, God, how can I touch my city? London is a city, they say officially over 10 million people, but unofficially could put another 3 million on that, on that city. Very incredibly diverse. A lot of history, a lot of architecture, wealth is there in that city. I said, God, I want to touch this city. Because over the years as a church and as Christians, we've always said to people, come to us. And we have failed to go to people. We will reach out to people if they come to us. But we've got to pray about going to them. And God challenged me. God challenged me to provoke the church. And not just one denomination, but the church. And 15 years ago, I began to ask questions ask questions which birthed a ministry called street pastors, not street preachers, street pastors. Now, it's fantastic. I used to preach on the streets and, and I still do. When I go on the streets to preach now, I, I have some good musicians, the best, people who can sing. And I do not preaching but teaching because I recognize that over the years what happened, people know more about what we're against than what we're for. People don't know about our theology of grace and, and sanctification by faith and grace. They don't know about that. They don't know about the redemptive work of the cross. But they know what we're against. The church has been so busy to telling people what they're against, they've forgotten the gospel news that Christ received a sinful man. And so I began to speak to the police. I began to speak to the probation services. I began to go to the clubs and the nightclubs. 
I began to go to this and listen to people. Just engage with people, listen to people. I began to walk the streets. Those places that Christians don't usually go to. And I said, God, what are you saying to me? And God says, these people need a pastor. We're not talking about ordination. We're talking about the word pastor means shepherd carer. The church that would care. The church that would love. The church that would listen. The church that would bring hope. The church that would be salt. And the church that would be light. And let me tell you this. The first night that we went out, 15 of us went out on the streets. Second year medical students. Single mom from the local housing, um, local um, council estate. The bus driver, the pensioner. We all went out on the streets. And when we went out on the streets of the night serving, listen to what the guy says. How comes it's taken the church so long? How comes it's taken the church so long to reach out to us? We're in over 300 locations in the United Kingdom. We have, you have to be from four different denominations to work in that ministry. No one church could do it. It has to be four, at least a minimum of four different denominations. In some places, 48 different denominations are working together to make it happen. They've got to work with the police. They've got to work with local governments. So we call it the urban trinity. Not the holy trinity, the urban trinity. Because we've come to the conclusion that in every community, in every town and city, there are three areas that are held by people of influence. The three most influential groups in any city or town or nation is the church, is the police, and government. And yet, we don't work together. We pull them together, pull all police, council, pull them all together. And because of that, we've been serving communities, we've been serving cities of London. You know something? They called me and they said, hey listen, we wanna give you 50,000 pounds to do some work. Do you know the government gave us 500,000 pounds to serve, to train people? And I tell people, listen, you cannot change the fact that I'm a Christian. That's not up for negotiation. I tell people, there's several things you cannot change. One, you cannot change the color of my skin. I'm black and I was born black. Only Jesus could change that. And I don't think he will. And secondly, you cannot change the fact that I'm a Christian and I'm an evangelical Christian who believes in the authority of scriptures. And thirdly, I believe in the power of the gospel. It changes, it revolutionizes people. But let me tell you this. Because I understand the mind of God and because I pray and because God wants us to understand his mind and pray, we can begin to serve. I go to meetings with our chiefs of police. I was in the home office a couple of weeks ago talking about how we're going to end crime and how we're going to get people working together. That is having the mind of Christ when we're relevant, when we're having a bearing upon every segment of society. 
I don't have to force people for Jesus. I don't have to defend Jesus. He's quite capable of defending himself. I've just got to allow Jesus to work in and through me. Hear what the Bible says. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. And I want to challenge us to allow Christ to work in your mind, in your gifts, in your talents, in your ability, in everything that you have, that he will be glorified. Stand with me. Pastor Craig, come and join me, please. I believe in all my heart in this century there are untapped gifts, ability, potential. I believe that with all my heart. Could you imagine if all of you recognize your significance and your purpose like those bees? Could you imagine? Could you imagine if you got hold of what Paul was saying? Allow Jesus to take your mind so that you can understand what he wants for you. Could you imagine if all of you did that today? Next week, this place is too small. That's the realities of it. Holland will be a place that people say, something is happening down here. Come on. Just let's hold hands. Let's do a church stuff and hold hands. Sorry if you're not a Christian and you're not used to this. We do some funny things sometimes, but it's okay. We're just agreeing together. I want us to pray this morning that all of us will agree with Pastor Craig and the leadership team with one another that God has called us for a purpose a significant purpose and we're going to allow God to speak to our minds that his kingdom will come and his will will be done. Fathers, we join hands today. We want to join hand with you as well. And we want to ask you today that you would help us as your church to understand your mind, your will, and your purpose. As you lead this congregation, Father, we pray that you would lead us together and that each and every one of us would reach out and touch you and allow you to work in us. I pray God, I pray God today May things change to your honor and to your glory. Amen.